0: Pray, and then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for everything you've done for us. Thank you for, again, bringing us here safely so that we can meet and worship you. Lord, um, my words are not enough. Only your words can give life. Um, we pray that you would do us, show us mercy, and show us grace by speaking through me today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 1. So, um, we, we've begun our study of the book of Luke um, a few weeks ago. Uh, we, we started with talking about uh, the announcement of John the Baptist's birth. We talked about John the Baptist's parents, um, Zacharias and Elizabeth, and we made the point that we made two points in the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth. Number one, that God always remembers his promises. Number two, that God always keeps his promises. Um, there are some people where you have to remind them, right? Hey, remember that thing that you promised to do? Why? Because they forget. How many of you have ever forgotten to do something? God never forgets. God has never lost his car keys once in his entire life. He always knows where they're at. Praise the Lord. Um, we We also made the point, and we used Zacharias and Elizabeth as an illustration of this, that God always keeps his promises. God had promised to send the Messiah, and God, guess what he did? He sent, he sent the Messiah. Um, God prophesied that John the Baptist would be born 400 years prior to his birth. He promised that, that there would be a forerunner to the Messiah, and God came through. We also talked about providence in the life of Zacharias and Elizabeth. Now, here's here's the thing. All of our lives Means something because God meant you. You are not an accident. There's no accidents in here, right? Everybody in here, God intended for you to be here. Um, Our problem is though, is that we like our plan better than God's plan, right? Um, We think that meaning, finding meaning in life, we think that meaning is a do-it-yourself project. Now, here's the thing: some things are not do-it-yourself projects. Uh, For instance, women. How many of you, if you if you have a toothache, let's say that your husband comes in and says, "You know, I noticed you've been having a toothache. Um, I saw on Amazon a do-it-yourself dentistry kit, like a home dentistry kit. I thought I'd get it, and and that we would just fix the problem ourselves." How many of you would trust your husbands? I don't know. <laughs> Hopefully, probably none of us. Like your husband like, yeah, well, I mean, we'll try it on the dog first, right?" I'm not an animal. Some things are not do-it-yourself projects. Um, We've all gone gone over to somebody's house, and um, they they showed us, like, the remodel, and they're like, I did it myself. And you think to yourself, yeah, I know, it shows. It looks like you did it yourself. Way to go. Some things are not do-it-yourself projects. Your meaning in life is not something that you can create because you're not big enough, right? You're not big enough to plan it. You're not smart enough to plan it. I think what what we forget in today's culture and, and we want to plan our life according to what we want, we forget that, you know, we're not all that smart, right? We don't, we don't take into account that, you know, you're not all that bright and your plans are sometimes stupid. And I think think about this, you're not all that bright, and your plans are sometimes stupid. How many of you have ever planned to do something, and then you did it, and you think to yourself, "Why did I do that? Why did I do that?" Your life is not a small insignificant thing. Your life means something. Right? There, there is someone behind you shaping the events in your life, in order for you to do something great. God did that with Zacharias and Elizabeth. Um, This week, we look at the announcement of the birth of Jesus, starting in verse 26. We're going to read verse 26 through um, verse 38. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into the city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, um, and the virgin's name was Mary, and the angel came into in her and said, "Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women." And when he, when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and ca- and it cast in her mind. What matter of solution this should be. The angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive, and in thy womb bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and he shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of David his father. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also the holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Mary. That, I'm sorry, and behold, that cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son at her old age. Now, first of all, let's pause here and contemplate the rudeness of this angel calling Elizabeth old. Like first, it was Zacharias. She's like, "Why?" but my wife was well stricken in years. and now it's this angel. Um, angels, what are you going to do, right? Um. She also shall conceive a son in her old age. This is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold, thy handmaid of the Lord be it unto me according to the word. The angel departed from her. Now, let's set the scene. Verse 26 and, and through 28, we see that Mary was engaged to a man named Joseph. Now, in those days, in those days, when you were a spouse or when you were engaged to someone, it was as if you were already married, right? Um, Once the marriage was arranged and the bride price paid the groom and would go away and prepare a place for the bride and the groom to live. But For all intents and for all purposes, they were married. If you were to break off the engagement during this time, you would be considered divorced, right? So, Mary was a spouse to Joseph. They had a strong connection. They had a strong tie. It wasn't as if Mary could be like, you know what? I changed my mind. We're not getting married anymore, right? This was a serious situation. Now, we are told also approximately six months before the angel came to Mary. That the angel went to Zacharias and Elizabeth and foretold uh, that um, John the Baptist was going to be born. So we see a parallels in both stories, right? Uh, the angel came to both Zacharias and Mary, right? Um, like we're told that the angel and um, that we're told that Zacharias and Elizabeth were elderly and would have um, a miracle baby. Um, we we're told that Mary was young, but she would also have a miracle baby, right? Um, we, we we're also told by the angel that the, their baby, John, was born according to prophecy. Jesus would be born according to prophecy. The angel says that John will be great in the sight of God, right? However, the angel says something different about Jesus. The angel says of Jesus that Jesus will be great, Um, The angel doesn't give any qualifiers. Um, In other words, um, John's greatness is extrinsic, right? God looks at him and he confers greatness on John the Baptist. But the angel says of Jesus that Jesus will be great. In other words, Jesus' greatness is intrinsic. Jesus is great in and of himself, right? Jesus is great. Why? Because of who his father is, right? He's the son of the most high, right? He's the son of God, right? So we see there's parallels, right? Uh, The angel comes to both Mary and Zacharias. The angel says to Mary and Zacharias, your son is a promise kept by God to his people. And both of these men would be great. So um, in today's sermon, what I want to do is I want to focus on Mary. I want us to take note of three things, right? I want us to take note of who Mary is. Secondly, I want to talk about Mary's calling, and lastly, I want to talk about the angel's encouragement. How many of you, um, you've got, you've ever gotten a glimpse of some of the things that God has called you to do, and you got a little discouraged? How many of you, you've ever, you ever been in a situation, and you think to yourself, "God, I know this is what you want for me," but you get a little discouraged because of the circumstances in your life? So this is, I want us to really focus in on this last point because I think there's some encouragement that the angel gives Mary that we can cling to ourselves. Does that make sense? So who is Mary, verse 26 through 28? It says in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was... Mary. So I want to talk about two things, right? I want to talk about Mary's character before men. And then I want to talk about who Mary was before God. Um, Who was Mary before men? What was her character like before men? Well, she was chaste, right? Luke tells us that Mary was a virgin espoused to a man. Now, we might be tempted um, to pass over this point, but I think it's important for the simple reason that nowadays chastity and virginity is looked down on our culture, right? When we want to insult a young single man in his 20s, what do we call them? We call them a virgin. Right? Why? Because we look down on chastity. You see, when a young person decides to live a chaste lifestyle, what they're doing is they're making a commitment to God. They're saying, God, your word matters to me more than my urges and my desires. How many of you remember when you were a young person? How How many of you remember I mean, it's difficult. A lot of times we forget what it's like to be a young person, right? And when a young person decides to live a chaste life, it's a good thing, and it should be celebrated. So who was Mary before me? She was chaste. Now, a side note: there are there are a lot of people in our society today that think the Christian faith is foolish because of the virgin birth, right? You hear people all the time say something like this. Um, science disproves Christianity because the virgin birth is impossible. Now, to that I normally reply, isn't that kind of the point? Isn't that kind of the point? When when, When we read a miracle story in the Bible and people say, well, that's impossible. Yeah, that's the point of a miracle. God showing up and doing something impossible, right? Uh, when, we, when we read the story of Noah's Ark, and you, you hear people say, "Well, look at um, the the how it's described and how it's designed. It would have been possible for that thing to float." Yeah, that's the point. The point is God performed a miracle, right? The point is that God performed the miracle to testify to the validity of His Word. That's the point of the virgin birth, right? That's the point of God doing something impossible. Now, what we want to say today in our society is that science is the only arbitrator of truth. In other words, only things that can be scientifically proven are true. Now, I think this is foolish for two reasons. Number one, it's self refuting, right? It refutes itself. The saying um, something is true only when it can be proven scientifically. That cannot be proven scientifically; therefore, it refutes itself. Right? That's um, that's the that's what's known as um, the the doctrine of verificationism. And guess what? And modern philosophy, verificationism has been dead for 50 years. Um, secondly, um, it, this is foolish to say that only things that can be proven scientifically are true. It's foolish because it contradicts how literally everybody in the world lives. All of us in here and everybody on the face of the planet holds beliefs that cannot be proven scientifically. Let me give you an example. Prove scientifically that anybody loves you. You can't. Prove scientifically that the universe didn't pop into existence five minutes ago with the appearance of age. Can you prove that? How many of you believe that the universe popped into existence five minutes ago with the appearance of age? None of you believe that. How many of you believe that the universe has been around for a long time? Yeah. How many of you can prove that um, scientifically? Well, we can't really. Um, here's the thing. The reason I make that point is that I want, I want you to understand and I want you to be able to articulate that there are some things that are beyond scientific verification. There are some things that we believe, and there are some truths that are beyond the scientific method. Again, prove scientifically that anybody loves you, right? Um, you can't prove scientifically that anybody loves you. Your wife could be just putting up with you for the money, right? She so could just because of because of your good looks, right? I sometimes worry about that with my relationship. That maybe she only loves me because I'm incredibly handsome. It really hurts my feelings that all of y'all laughed. That hard. (laughs) Like, ah, him, handsome, hilarious. What was her? status before him, and she was chased. Let's look at her status before God. God says, and the, and the angel says in verse 28, it says, the angel came into her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. Now, the phrase highly favored translates a word that meant to be full of grace. How many of you have Roman Catholic friends? How many of you used to be Roman Catholic and you said, Hail Mary, full of grace? Um, now, to be full of grace does not mean, as the Roman Catholics teach, that Mary is literally full of grace. In other words, the Roman Catholics believe that Mary Mary is able to confer grace. Now, where does grace come from? It comes from God, right? The Bible says that salvation is of the Lord, and we are saved by grace. Is Mary God? No. Um, This is not to say that Roman Catholics worship Mary. Um, That's debated. Among them and among us, but this does not mean that Roman that um, Mary is full of grace in the way that they teach. Rather, the point that the angel is making here is that Mary was approved by God. The point that the angel is making is that Mary is approved by God to conceive the Son of God. Now, Paul uses this very same word to describe all believers. So let's look at it: Ephesians chapter one and verse six. He says this, to the praise of of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Now, that that last phrase right there, accepted in the beloved, that word accepted is the same word that the angel uses in Luke chapter 1. Here the word accepted means that um, God has accepted us because of his divine grace. Why are we accepted? Why are we full of grace? Why are we graced? Well, because God is gracious. Like, there is nothing that we can do to earn God's acceptance, right? Mary didn't earn God's favor. God's grace gave Mary favor. Does that make sense? Um, God freely offers a relationship with him solely because he is gracious. Mary, as D.J. D.G. Miller noted, was not the mother of grace, but a daughter of grace, right? Mary was a sinner, like all of us, and in need of a Savior. Again, notice what Mary says in the same chapter of Luke chapter 1, verse 46. He says of Jesus, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Now, this indicates two things, right? Number one, that Mary accepted that she had a need for a Savior. She accepted that she had a need for a Savior. Now, this is a problem in our culture, right? Some people do not see that they need to be saved. Some people do not acknowledge the fact that they need to be healed. When you read the the New Testament, you read the healing accounts, that Jesus gives and Jesus talks about, one of the things that all, all of the things or all the people that Jesus healed had in common is they first acknowledged that they needed to be healed. Right? You never see Jesus tackling somebody from behind and forcibly healing them. Do you? The person had to acknowledge that they needed to be healed. You never see Jesus arguing and bickering with a leopard about the fact that the leopard needed to be healed. Jesus says, hey, um, how are you, Mr. Leopard person? I would like to heal you. And the leopard replying, well, no, I don't need healing. Um, Jesus responding, but, you know, like you have that, like your flesh is rotting. The leopard also replying back, you know, it's just a skin rash. Like I have some ointment at home. Like, but your arm just fell off. It's only a flesh wound, right? No, they, they had to acknowledge that they needed healing. Mary acknowledged that she needed a Savior. It also indicates, number two, that she knew God as her Savior. And we are told in verse 30 that Mary found favor with God. This word favor is the same Greek word. That's translated grace in other parts of the Bible. We can say, but but Noah, but Mary found grace with God. Right? How did Mary receive grace? Well, the same way that Noah did, right? We're we're told in Genesis chapter six, verse eight, that says that Noah found grace in the eyes of God. We are told in Hebrews that Noah was an heir of righteousness, which is by faith. Point I'm making is, is Mary was full of grace, and so are you. Why? Because you've seen your need for a savior and you've accepted that. We we do ourselves to the service when, when we read the read about the characters in the Bible, and we put them on a pedestal and we think to ourselves, God can never use me like that. They're people just like you, just like me. But I, but I have too many doubts. Remember last week when we were, we were reading the story of Zacharias? And God's, an angel told Zacharias everything that God wanted for him and everything that God was going to do for him. What, what was Zacharias' initial response? His, his initial response was to point to all of the things in his life that, that meant that God couldn't use him. Right? Like. I, God you, God couldn't use me this way. I'm old. I'm past my prime. Some of you, let's be honest, you're past your prime. Every every year uh, when the NBA holds its draft, I get a little sad because I go undrafted. It's, it's starting to look like I'm never going to get drafted, right? starting to look like that's past, man. I'm waiting. I wait every day that uh, Mark Cuban's going to call me up. as a Levi? We need a we need an undersized sh- shooting guard who doesn't pass or play defense and only shoots corner threes. It's starting to look like that I'm past my athletic prime. It's what's it's what it's look, some of you? You're well past your athletic prime. You know who you are. I'm not going to point. You, I'm not going to point anybody out. Right. But does it doesn't mean that God can't use you. Use Zacharias and Elizabeth. Use you. Like It's, it's humbling to get up here and speak for God. I was talking to somebody the other day, um, and I, I made the point that, you know, if God can speak through Balaam's donkey, he can speak through me. Like, I'm twice as smart as any donkey right? At least. You show me a donkey, I bet I'm smarter than that donkey. Maybe not all donkeys, but she, Moe, Mary found grace with God because Mary's faith in God. Mary was saved the same way that you're saved, by faith. Mary wasn't special in the sense that um, she had supernatural abilities. She had superpowers. Paul didn't have superpowers. He had faith. Elijah didn't have superpowers. He had faith. Mary had faith and God used her. If you have faith, God will use you. Who was she for God? Well, she was highly favored. It also says that the Lord was with her. It says, and the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Now, this connects to our previous point, right? The Lord was with Mary because of his grace, right? To be with someone implies more than just a relationship, it implies companionship. The Lord was with her, meaning she had a personal relationship with God. Do you have a personal relationship with God? Mary didn't rely on her ethnicity to have a relationship with God. See, in those days, the Jewish people thought that their right standing with God was based on the fact that they were ethnic. No one is going to heaven because of their race, right? Um, she didn't rely on her parents' relationship with God. Um, there, there are times where kids who grow up in church and they think because their parents walk with the Lord, they don't have to. Now think about your life. If you died and stood before God. And you were to go to heaven and God says, why should I let you in here? Why should I let you into heaven? Would you say, well, I grew up in church. Would you say, um, but I was baptized when I was a child. Or would you say, look at all of the good deeds that I've done. Let me in. You see, none of that will get you into heaven, right? None of that will guarantee you a relationship with God. Right? We are saved and we have a relationship with God only because he is gracious. It is the goodness of God that leads to repentance, what Paul says. We are saved because God is good. And Here's the thing. You need a Savior because you are bad. You see, Mary was a sinner just like she was highly favored. Why? she found grace in God's eyes. Guess what? You were sinners like anybody else. But you were highly favored. Why? Because you found grace. We talked about who Mary is, right? Mary was accepted by God because of His grace. God was with Mary because of his grace, right? He was with Mary. That means that he knew her and she knew him. I want you to notice uh, Mary's calling. What was she called to do? She was called to be a mother. Some of you have been called to be a mother. But I want you to notice the circumstances of Mary's calling. The circumstances of Mary's calling can be described as impossible. Verse thirty four says that Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Think about this. Mary was a young woman before she got married. Right? She didn't have any type of sexual relations with anybody. And God says, Guess what? You're gonna you're about to have you're about to have a son. Sounds impossible, doesn't it? To do something, she was a virgin. This meant if she was going to be what God was calling her to be, that meant that God was going to have to do it. Now, before we go any further, I want to make the point that none of us deserve to be used by God, right? However, because God is gracious, He uses us to accomplish His will. It's not as if God is sitting in heaven. Uh, looking down on earth, looking at himself, talking to himself, thinking to himself. You know, that Levi down there, he's got something. Holy Spirit, what do we got to do to lock him up? Who do we speak to to get him under contract? Let's negotiate. God doesn't look down from heaven and goes, Levi, my team, I call him. Look at all the great things that he can do. No, I'm a sinner. I don't deserve to be used by God. Guess what? None of you do either. It is a honor. It is a privilege for God to use you. You hear people all the time complain about God's call on their life. Oh, I was called to preach. I don't want to preach. Do something else. You're not doing God any favors. I don't want to be here. God called me to here, and I don't want to be here. Then go somewhere else. It is God's grace that saved me. It is God's grace that keeps me, and it's by God's grace that I will do all that God has called me to do. Right? To do something for the Lord is a gift. A gift. God has a calling for each and every one of us. And that calling is part of His grace extended to you. He's called some of you to be mothers, right? He's called some of you to be fathers. He's called some of us to a specific vocation. I think of my life, God has called me to this specific vocation. Right? Some of you, like who are carpenters, God has called you to that specific vocation. Some of us who are salesmen, he's called you to that specific vocation, right? And like God's grace has extended you and he's given you something to do. Now, there will be times in your life where all this will seem impossible, right? The calling that God has asked you to do, right? And there will be times in your life um, when you ask the same question that Mary asked, how shall this be? Song was right when it compared the Christian life to many dangerous toils and snares, isn't it? Like we we will make it to heaven through many dangerous toils and snares. Now, before we move on, I, I want to I want us to to think about what God is calling Mary to. Some of you are probably thinking, "Well, duh, He's calling her to be the mother of Jesus." But being the mother of Jesus brought Mary brought Mary the reproach of her community. Uh, we, we we think that people who lived back 2,000 years ago, we think they're all dummies. That's not the truth. Um, they were able to do simple math. They knew when, when Jesus was born, and they knew when Joseph and Mary got married. They were able to do simple math. Read in Mark chapter 6, verse 3, the Jews saying of Jesus, Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary? Now, this is the only place in the New Testament that Jesus is called the son of Mary. Now, a man back in those days was always called by his father's name. Any man that was called by his his mother's name, or call the son of his mother, was a was a man who the father was unknown. Right, the Jewish practice was to refer to the son as the by uh, refer to the son by the father's name. Now, perhaps these people were recalling the rumors associated with the birth of Jesus, and perhaps they were saying, "Well, Jesus, you're." An If they were saying that about Jesus, imagine what they were saying about Mary. It's not like um, today where where it's prevalent to have children out out of wedlock. Um, Back then, if, if you did that, there was legitimate shame Mary had to bear that reproach for thirty-three years. Now, now, think about us as Christians. We're called as Christians, in the words of Hebrews, to stand outside the walls of the city and to bear the reproach of Jesus. Where did they, where, where they kill Jesus outside the walls of the cities. Why? Because that's where they that's where they put criminals to death. Two. Be cast outside the walls of the city was to be rejected by the community. As Christians, we are called to a similar calling, aren't we? To take a stand for Jesus, not in an ugly way, not in a a harsh or aggressive way, but to take a stand for Jesus. Sometimes that stand for Jesus will bring with it reproaches, and will bring with it shame. Think about um, the civil rights movement of the 60s, right? The, the, the great Christian men and women who took a, took a stand for um, racial justice. I think about the abolitionist movement and the past, the previous centuries, how Christians took a stand against slavery and they, they bore the reproach of the community because of it. We as Christians today are called to take similar stands. Stands that are unpopular. Stands that will bring the reproach of our community. We don't like that. and It's uncomfortable, but guess what? We can do it because of God's grace. So we've talked about who Mary was. We talked about who she was before God. She was highly favored, right? She was accepted by God. She God was with her. We talked about Mary's calling, right? She was called to be the son of God. And also she was she she was called to kind of bear the reproach of serving God. What was Mary's response? She responds with, with the way that we would respond. By saying, how shall this be? How is this going to happen? This seems impossible. God, there's no way that I could do what you're asking me to do. It's too hard. It's too difficult. does the angel do? The angel gives her encouragement. What does he do? The angel points her to what God has already done life of another saint. Then the angel reminds her of what God is capable of. Look at verse 36. He he reminds her of what God has already done. He says in verse 36, it says, Behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath conceived the son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren. The angel says, did for Elizabeth. It was considered impossible for Elizabeth to have a child. She was an elderly woman. Look at what God did. Now there will be times in all of our lives where we are tempted to just quit because we forget the promises that God has made in Scripture. Right? Like we think a cattle, the cattle on a thousand hills is not enough to pay my bills, right? Right? And in those times, what will God do? God will point us to what He's accomplished in the life of an older saint. Now, those of you who the world would consider a castaway because of because of your age, because if you're not young anymore, you are vitally important to the local church because. You bear witness to what God has done in the past. Those of you who are widows, and you've experienced the heartbreak of losing your husband, are able to comfort and encourage those who have more recently lost their loved ones. You say, look at what God has done for me. He can do it for you those of you have, who have been diagnosed with cancer and God has brought you through, you can encourage somebody who, who's who been given the same diagnosis. And you can say, look at what God has done with me. Like there are times when, I, when I'm talking to people who are discouraged. And one of the things that I, that I do is I point to someone else's life who's gone through the same problem that they've gone through. And I say, look what God did for them. He can do it for you. Again, there was nothing special about Mary, but God used her. Guess what? I know this might break some of your hearts, there's nothing special about you. But God. points her to what God has already done. Look at what he did for the life. Look at what he did in the life of your cousin Elizabeth. Then he also, what does he do? He, he points to what God is capable of, right? He says, with God, nothing shall be possible. Sometimes um, you look at what's going on in the world Possible, But we forget that that verse is in the Bible, don't we? Sometimes, like, when you're reading the Bible, you'll come across something so good, you're like, and you think to yourself, that's so good. Like, if it wasn't in there, I would be tempted to write it in there, right? But that would be wrong, because you're adding to the Bible. You're not supposed to do that. With God, nothing is impossible. Some of us, when we look to the future, all we see are question marks. However, because God has power, because God's providence, he can turn question marks into exclamation marks. How shall this be? I don't know how you're gonna do it, God. Guess what? He did it. Jesus was born. It happened. Same is true of your life. God can use you to do big things. I think of the young people, and uh, we're, we're tempted to dismiss young people because they're young. But God used a lot of young people in the Bible. He used them to do big things. Sometimes we look at elderly people. Well, they elderly. We can't do anything. Well, God used a lot of elderly people in the Bible. Sometimes you think the middle-aged people. Like I haven't done anything yet. I'm, I'm 40. I haven't done anything yet. But look at but look at Noah. How long have he spent in the wilderness doing nothing, and then God shows up and uses him. Mary was high, highly. So are you. How did, how did Mary find that favor? God's grace. God called Mary to do something big, and it happened. God has called you to do something big, and it can happen. How you gotta have faith. Please stand, and pray. And then we'll have an invitation. Heavenly Father, Lord thank you for everything you've done for us. Um, I thank you for everything that you're going to do for us. Help us to rely on your grace. Help us to rely on your mercy. Help us to see the fact that you have big things planned for us. Help us to trust that you will accomplish those things. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As the music plays, as the Lord has spoken,